This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. If you have not been able to come because of physical problems, I welcome you back. I'm really, really glad to see you. I told some in the first service, I'm so glad to see you that I've wanted to come out there and give you a kiss, but I know that may scar some of you, so I'll just greet you from up here. If you're watching live stream, we're blessed to have you with us. If you're here for the partnership class, you are dismissed to go out these doors back here in the back. Pastor Evan's back there, and they'll assist you. Other than that, if you're a guest, I welcome you here today. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 6. Number 6, this is our uh, main scripture text for a couple months now, it seems like, which probably has been. So we'll start in number 6, and I'm, I'm going to speak the Word of God today to you in a way that it's really, really, really going to cause you to think, but also it's going to cause you to have to look in your heart and see where you're at on this, just to identify my walk with Jesus. You know, as I get ready, before I get in the scripture, I'm going to give you a little thoughts here that I believe will help you where we're going today. Oftentimes in our life, we, we identify things by labels, uh, sometimes by by signs, and what I mean by that is I can look at people's shoes at times and I can look and say, wow, that guy's got Air Jordan on. You know how I know? Because the jump man. Or I can look at a person's shirt and I can say, wow, that's, that's polo. Well, how do you know that? I see the little man on there. That's Ralph Lauren. And many times with women, they may have a purse and I can see that the label in their sunglasses, you see the big O on there and you know it's Oakley. Even this line here, that many times when we're going down the road and we see a car approaching, and if I'm not totally sure what type of car that is, I can, I can label it or locate it by the emblem that's in the grill. I can look and think, wow, that's a Mercedes. That's a Ferrari. That's, you know, you can begin to look at all those things but as a Christian, how, how am I identified as a Christian? How am I marked as a Christian? So we begin here in, in Mark, or not Mark, in Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now we jump into verse 27 now. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. They will evoke my name on the children of Israel, and I'll bless them. And so really what he's telling there, I, I become marked by the name of Jesus. Now again, when I, I say those things, oftentimes in our life, we can proclaim to be a Christian, but what's the real proof in your life that you're a Christian? I believe the only way that that really stands out is by my, my lifestyle and the way I live. So I begin to think about this. Jesus wants to put his mark on us. And so I, I go back into my life, and you know, many years ago, me and Shelly were dating. And the only way that she inherited my last name was for me and her to get married. And we got married because of a relationship. And so because of the relationship and a thing called marriage, she inherited a thing called the power of attorney. So she could get everything that I could get just because using my name. But that didn't happen when we were dating 
And that didn't happen when we were engaged. It happened when we got married. Now that's the same thing as a Christian. Many times we have this thought that I can walk down here one Sunday, I can give my heart to Jesus, and I begin to think, well, I'm born again that way, but I never live with a relationship with him. Now, if we did that maritally, you would say, man, something's wrong with you. After I've been married to Shelly for a week, and I look at her and said, you know what? I, I, I love you and everything, but I think I'm going to trade you in on a newer model. Well, you'd look and say, well, what's up with that? But oftentimes, that's what we've done to Jesus, so... There's a plan of redemption that God set in order. And God did everything through or, or for us through the Lord Jesus. Uh, Ephesians 2.8, it says, I've been saved by grace through faith. I've been born again. I've asked Jesus to come into my heart, and now I must live like I'm married to him. Now, I'm going to give you a little assignment right now, and I know many of you love the Word of God. But I'm going to give you two assignments. One is little. The next one's pretty deep. But the first one is, this upcoming week, I encourage you to read the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. Just the entire chapter of number 1. And you will begin to come across these little phrases that say this, in him, in Christ, or in whom. And every one of those that you see Mark them and understand that since you're born again, that becomes part of your identity. I'm who he says I am. Now, if you want to go on a, a, a deeper study, if you were to start in the epistles and go through every epistle and take a marker and mark in him, in Christ, or in whom, you'll see approximately 140 of those statements. It's very important that you begin to understand this is who I am in Christ Jesus. Now, go with me to the book of John, chapter 16. John, chapter 16, and I'm going to give you some biblical truths, some foundational truths here to start that you can really live by. You know, in the first service, uh, we had a really, really a blessing at the end of the service. We had a, a young girl who came down to the altar, and she was standing here. It was just me and her. And I said to her, I said, tell me about your life right now. And she said, I'm a junkie. I had just been released from a treatment facility. And I looked at her and I said, I appreciate your honesty. And I said, but you know what? That identity as a junkie through Jesus, that's not who he sees you as. And so long story short, she gave her heart to Jesus and you said, Pastor, you led a junkie to Jesus? I said, oh, yeah. And I really, really enjoyed that, okay? So I say that to you in here. Don't let the events of your life define who you are, okay? John 16, verse 23. In that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Now, this is an eternal truth that I must get a hold of. And if you'll note in there that I'm reading out of the New King James, but four times he said you. You, 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 you. That's us. So there's a biblical truth here that I really, really must get. He said, you are to ask the Father in Jesus' name. 
Now, that's the way I'm to pray. He didn't say just ask the Father. He specifically said that when you go to Father God and pray, you are to ask the Father in Jesus' name. And so when I talk about Jesus' name, his name represents his character. His name represents his authority. His name represents everything that he is. So I'm presenting myself to Father God through the Lord Jesus who becomes my identity. Remember, he puts my, his name on me. Verse 24, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So when he says up to now you've asked nothing in my name, is it because I haven't really understood biblically that, that I have a right to ask in the name of Jesus? Or was he saying up to this point you may have asked, but you didn't ask in the name of Jesus. So this is a biblical foundation that me and you must understand that everything I do, I do it in the name of Jesus. That becomes my identity. That's your identity. Now turn back just a couple pages to John chapter 14. John 14, and we will begin here in verse 12, and he says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, now, if you believe in Jesus, you've gotten born again, according to John 3, where the Lord said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. So again, this is all an act of faith. And he says, most surely I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he, the one who believes in me, will do also in greater works than these, and he will do because I go to my Father. Now, what a statement that Jesus said. But I can't do that out of my own abilities or on my own powers. So I do that in the name of Jesus. Everything I do is through him. Verse 13. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So what you see right here, the prayer that is offered in the name of Jesus takes on the full of weight with all the authority behind it. And so I'm beginning to show you again biblically the power of the name of Jesus. If you're born again and you're married to him, this is for you. He goes on to say in verse 14, If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now this, is, this is incredible. Just, just pause on that just a second with what he said. If you ask anything in my name, I, I will do it. Now, when I say this right here, guys, I'm, I'm not using the name of Jesus as a magical formula, okay? Abracadabra. That's not what we're doing, all right? Again, this goes back to my relationship with him. So, again, it's not, it's not a magical formula. It's not for me to use the name of Jesus to get all my selfish desires either. That's, that's not what he's, he's talking about here. But when I read this, all the power... That, that Jesus had is now invested in his name. And Jesus says, I give it to you. His desire is for me and to use it. So when I read this, does the name of Jesus still have all the power and authority that it did 2,000 years ago? Absolutely. It's never changed. Never changed. So watch the balance here. 
Look at verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you really love me, the proof is how well you obey my commandments. Now let me ask you a question right now. How well are you doing in this? Do I obey his commandments? And anytime I read my my Bible, I can tell you right now, it's not multiple choice. It's not for me to pick and choose which ones I want to obey or not. I, I must come into this place where I believe the word of God. If you love me, obey my commandments. So as I read this right here, again, the balance is this, that I don't know if you have or have ever had a 13-year-old in your life, whether it's a female or male, and they try to convince you to give them the keys to the car. Now, I don't withhold the keys to the car to them to hurt them. I withhold the keys to the car to help them. Because every one of us in here understand a thing called maturity and develop. This is the same with the kingdom of God. God is not going to bless you with anything that he views that would hurt you. That would cause you to stumble. Okay? So this is what this is kind of talking about. Man, i got to get to a place in my life. I want to obey you. I, I take great, great honor in obeying the word of God. Now go with me to the book of Revelations chapter 3. Revelations chapter 3. And I have people ask me at times, Pastor, if I was ever to read in the book of Revelations, where would you tell me to go? Well, if I had to tell you, I would say spend a lot of time in Revelations 2 and 3. Because in this passage, the Lord Jesus wrote to seven churches. I believe those letters to those churches are an ongoing application for the church today. Even me and you. So I would really, really, really highlight those. And so that's what we're going to do. Now, out of those seven churches, he rebuked five of them for the things we were doing. But two of them, he commended or applauded them. Now, I'm going to take one of them today. So we begin here in Revelations chapter 3, verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? Now, remember the word Philadelphia means brotherly love. So the church that was known for as brotherly love. These things says he who is holy and he who is true. Father God is holy. Father God is true. And and to help us understand this just a little bit more, notice that these are red letter words. So this is Jesus' writing to us. He who has the key of David. Now, if you ever study the key of David, the key of David is referencing authority, better stated, the authority that Jesus has. And he says, so he who has the key of David is he who opens and no one shuts, and he shuts and no one opens. Now, if we really, really had time to dig into this, I would take you back to Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verse 18, the Lord Jesus said, and I'll build my church. And I'll build my church. When man gets in trouble is when we build our church and we don't build his church. So the vision of the church has always been Jesus' vision. It's very easy. Preach the gospel to every creature. 
So he says, and I'll build my church. This is all Matthew 16, 18. And the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And then he says something very interesting in verse 19. And he says, and I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Basically, I'll give you all the authority of the kingdom. And it literally says this. He who binds on earth, or whatever he binds on earth, will be bound in heaven. That word bind means to forbid, and he says whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The word loose there means to release. So through the scriptures right here, Jesus tells us, I'm going to build my church, but I'm going to build it through believers that are born again. If you were to go back and look at all that, that's what it's talking about. Who do you say I am? Well, remember, Peter said, I believe you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of God. So he got born again. So in this passage right here, when it talks about the key of David, the Lord Jesus has given us authority. It's all in the name of Jesus. This is what this is talking about. He goes on to say, verse number eight, and I know your works. I want you to think about this. I know your works. I I know your deeds. I know how you're living. Now, I don't say that to put fear in you, but I say that because Father God, he's very much aware of whatever one of us do on a daily basis. I know your works. Now, again, he's talking to these folks in this church. And he says, see, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. Now, the open door is 1 Corinthians 16, 9, which says he's given us an open door of opportunity for service or ministry. So this is what Jesus is saying, and I believe this is for every one of us in here. We're called to serve. We're called to be ministers. And it's interesting, he says, I'm giving you an open door of opportunity. He goes on to say, and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength. You've got a little power. And have kept my word and have not denied my name. Now, these are two things that he commends these people of this church for. You've kept my word, and you have not denied my name. Actually, he's applauding them. He's saying, I see your allegiance that you've kept my word. Now, let me ask you something off of that again. How well are you doing? How well are you doing by keeping his word? And so when I read this here, it literally says, don't turn from the scripture. Don't drift away from the scripture. Don't don't water down the word of God. Don't hold back parts of the truth because you don't want people to get upset with you. Preach the word. So I look at a couple passages that really move me. And the Lord Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The Lord Jesus knew the significance of the Word of God in every one of our lives. That's the first one. The second one, the Apostle Paul said this in 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. He said, preach the Word. Proclaim the Word. Tell them the truth. And so it's interesting that Jesus said, and you've kept my Word. You've actually done my Word. So I love statistics. 
And I see this come across the other day that it says 64%, 64% of all born-again Christians in the United States do not believe in absolute truth. And I said born-again Christians. And so if they don't believe in absolute truth, what do they believe? And I, I began to look at this and I thought, I base my entire life off of this. this. This is the blueprint for life for every one of us. And we know scripturally, he says, don't add to it. Don't take away. Don't water it down. Don't apologize for speaking the truth. And so what I see is a society that is slowly and gradually allowing the truth to be eroded. That's why we've got to stay with the Word of God. You've got to stay with the Word with your children. I say this probably on a weekly basis. I do you no good by telling you my opinion. I only do you good when I tell you the Word of God. This is God's design for all our lives. So that was the first thing that he stood out. And the second thing, he came out and said something. I have not denied, or you have not denied my name. You have not renounced my name. And so in this thing called life, many times, when we get under pressure, especially peer pressure, do you renounce his name? Do you deny his name? Well, Lord, I'm, I'm good at calling you Lord, and I talk about Jesus, except when I go to family reunions. And I don't want people to think, man, he's a Jesus freak. And so the thing is about this, how would you grade yourself? Do you denounce or deny his name? So I begin to think passages of scriptures, and it took me to one in my heart that's very, very good to me that I love to go here. It's in Daniel 6, where we know this young man named Daniel. He's serving under this ungodly king named Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar has some men under him that they are mad because the, the blessing of God is on Daniel. So they come up with this brilliant idea. Let's make this golden image, and anybody who doesn't bow down and worship that image... Then we'll throw them into the lion's den. Now let me ask you something. If you were pressured, you deny the name of Jesus or we throw you in the lion's den, what would you do? So we study the passage and, and Daniel, guess what it says? As was his custom since early age, he opened the window so everybody could see. It says he kneels and he bows as was his custom and he praises his God and he thanks his God and he prays as he did morning, noon, and night, which was his daily routine. And he said, you know what, fellas? Throw me in the lion's den. I will not renounce my Lord and Savior. And I think about this passage in the New Testament. In Acts 3 and Acts 4, you had two guys, Peter and John. And they started preaching in the name of Jesus. And they started doing acts in the name of Jesus. And they were seeing a great move of God, but the religious leaders didn't like it. And it said they strictly commanded them and said, do not preach or teach in that name again. So what would you do? What do I do? What do you do at school? What do you do at work? 
years ago, I'd been at Bible school, and I, I got to know a guy really good. His, his daddy was Russian, and his mother was Polish. And because of his background, he was given the freedom to go back into the former Soviet Union and minister on a weekly basis in uh, the underground church. So he's telling me this story that one day in the underground church, now we don't get that in America. We don't have underground churches. But he said, man, it's, it's so prevalent back there because they know if they get caught, what will happen. So he said, I'm in this service, approximately 500 people. He said, they give me the mic, and he said, I probably hadn't preached five minutes. And he said, you know, all these people are looking at me. And he said, I, I look in the back of the church, and these doors open. And he said, I noticed the first guy come in, and he's got a machine gun. And he said, ultimately, about 13 of them come, and they just circle around everybody in the auditorium. And he said, the leader comes up with a machine gun and identifies himself as a, a, a high-ranking official with the KBG. And so he takes the mic, and he says this. He said, right now, if you will get up and walk out of here, you won't do any prison time and your life won't be endangered of you being killed. He said about half the people got up and walked out. He let them get out. He waited a few minutes and came back up and he said, last chance. If you don't want to go to prison or even possibly die, get up and go. Another half went. So now that there are 125. Let me ask you something right there. Where would you be? Where would I be? What would I do? I, I can tell you this. I've never had a machine gun pointed at me. So he said, then he closes the door, walks back up, and he sits down, and he tells his men to sit down. And he said, now preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to us. Because he said, I wanted to know who the real believers were and who they weren't. All 13 of them got born again that day. I, I say these again to make me think, to locate to me. What would I do? I don't know that we're headed in that direction, but what if we are? We live in a society more and more that will renounce the name of Jesus. Do you know there was a few years ago that I was invited to this, this deal around Christmas and we were just going to be a blessing. And the, the leader of this organization, he, he addressed me as pastor. And then he came up real close to me and he said, whatever you do today, he said, do not, do not preach or pray in the name of Jesus. And I remember looking at him and I was a guest. So what would you do, Pastor? I prayed in the name of Jesus. I prayed in the name of Jesus. I thought, you know what? You're not, you're not going to intimidate me. You know what? If you don't ever want me to come back again, that's okay. But I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus. That's, that's who I am. So right here, the Lord Jesus applauds and says, you've kept my word. You, you haven't renounced or denied my name. For time's sake, jump with me. Verse 11. 
Behold, I am coming quickly. I'm coming quickly. Now, I've I've got a birthday coming up real quick, and so I'm going to be 60 here real quick, and I'm going to have you guys all celebrate with me. That's my desire. Yeah, I'm still young. I I don't know why I'm telling you, but I'm getting up. But anyhow, for 60 years of my life, I've heard this statement. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. But he's never come back. But he said, hang on here, hang on here, because I'm coming quickly. And so think about it in this terms. In, in, in years compared to eternity, he's coming back quickly. Quickly. All the ages in here, this is going to happen, okay? He's going to come back. And he said, hold fast to what you have. Get a firm grip on what you have. What do you got? I got the word and I got Jesus as Lord and my Savior. And he says, hold firm to it. Hold tight to it. Why? That no one may take your crown. So he's warning me there. There's a possibility that I'm going to have my crown taken. The message says it this way. No one distracts you and steals your crown. Verse 12. He who overcomes... Or is victorious, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. Now you think about a pillar. A pillar is permanent. A pillar is something that it withstands. It's the structure that braces everything. And he said, you'll be a pillar. You'll be a permanent fixture in the house of God. And he goes on to say, And I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. Now he said, I'm going to write on you three things. Do you know that song we sang? My name is registered in heaven. That's big. Two quick passages. Go with me to Revelations 13. Revelations 13. Now, this passage I'm getting ready to take you in is going to talk about this end time event with this thing called the beast. Okay? This, this is all real, all right? And, and when I read this uh, about the beast, it's going to become very clear that you're either going to have an allegiance to Jesus or an allegiance to the beast, Okay? Revelation 13, verse 16. He, the beast, causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark. To receive a mark. Now, this mark, I I don't know if it's literal or visible, but there's going to be some type of mark that he's going to give us. And you will receive a mark on their right hand and on their foreheads. The hand represents my actions. The forehead represents my thoughts. Now he's going to put a mark on you, okay? This beast is. Verse 17. And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. So the way this beast is going to begin to squeeze us or pressure us 
is without this mark, you will not be able to buy or sell. Verse 18. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, and his number is 666. Now just hang in here with me because I'm going somewhere on this. Go with me to Revelations chapter 22, and I'll end with this one. Revelations 22, verse 3. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb, which is the Lord Jesus, shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. So what I see happening right here is there is no neutral ground. I either serve Jesus or I'll serve the, the enemy. There's no neutral ground. I'll, I'll either spend eternity in heaven or I'll spend eternity in hell. Now, here's the point I want to make off of those two scriptures. The devil will know you by a number. The Lord Jesus will know you by a name. Wow. 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 I don't know you, but I'm really excited the Lord Jesus has given me a name. I got a name. You got a name. Your, your name is registered in heaven. Specifically, it says that your name is recorded in the Lamb's book of life. Now, the thing I begin to realize in this thing called life is that our God made every one of us in here a free will being. In other words, he gave you the ability to choose. He won't force you either way. You get to choose. But I go back to what I started with. You, you must be born again. And my getting born again or giving my heart to Jesus has nothing to do with me as far as my accomplishments or my lack of accomplishments. My getting born again is saying, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. And when I make that confession, I have now entered a relationship with Jesus. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about relationship. You don't want in religion, okay? Religion will goof you up. But man, when I have a relationship, think about your relationship in a marriage covenant. Woo! It's day by day by day by day by day. And so let me ask you something right now. Only you have made that choice or can make that choice once you stand on your feet. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.